Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're starting a brand new series this morning entitled Attack of the Heart. And as we get into it, I'm going to kind of introduce the series as a whole here this morning, but... The enemy has a lot of things that he uses to attack each and every one of us. There's so many different things this morning that we could rattle off that he uses in each and every one of our lives. I'm just going to throw out one that's just a a very basic, almost kind of the foundational piece of all of the enemy's attack really starts with our own humanity and being selfish and prideful people. We all have... This one thing, if you would like to say today that you're next to perfect, one thing that all of us have is selfishness and pride. So many people, myself included, we get into relationships because of how it benefits us. We give because of how it benefits us. We serve oftentimes because of how it benefits us. So many things that we do, we do whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. So many times we do it because of what the reward or the thing that we get back in return for it. And that's just one of those foundational pieces when it comes to the enemy's attack and how he attempts and likes to attack us. He uses the things that we are weak in to attack us in so many different areas. Maybe he uses your strength to attack you. Because in your strength, you don't rely upon him and Christ and and the enemy knows that and so he can keep you in your strength so to speak doing certain things never ever ever going to Christ never falling on our knees never never relying on him to to do the things that we are called to do but the enemy uses so many different things we could think of the lusts that we face the greed that's in many of our lives and I'll say this on that particular one greed is not just for those who have millions of dollars greed is for those that have very little dollars I've known some of the greediest people that I've ever met in my life were people that didn't have a dime to their name but everything that they lived to do was having to make another dime so that they could continue to live I've got to get another raise I've got to have this I, I can't do this without this kind of money and I can't and I can't and I can't money 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 and whether you've got it or you don't have it greed becomes a problem for many But we see those that maybe struggle this morning based on uh, depression. Maybe somebody is angry. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's grief. There's sorrow. Maybe you struggle in the matter of forgiving somebody who has hurt you. And there are so many other things that we can look at in the course of the time over this this sermon series or whatever. But, But when we look at this idea that so many things attack our hearts... So many things attack our hearts. The enemy is doing everything that he can to attack you and me. And he uses all of these things. Some of you, again, the depression, the grief, the anger, the bitterness, the forgiveness, all of these things. And this series isn't so much about talking individually about each one of those things in our lives as much as it is kind of the counter of that. Because here's what happens in many of our lives, and here's what happens is this. We allow the enemy to speak into our lives 
based on the depression, based on the greed, based on the lust, based on the you name whatever that enemy attack is, and as we don't deal with it, and as we continue to move on with our lives without facing or countering any of those things, we become exactly what the enemy wants us to become. And this is what this is. We become people who attend church, people who profess Christianity, but people do nothing to show the love of Christ in our lives. The enemy wants to do everything that he can to keep people from coming to know Christ. But once we come to know Christ, his goal is this, that you would have no relevance in anywhere that you have relevance. In your life at work, he doesn't want you to be a living, walking testimony for Christ. In your home, he does not want you to be a walking testimony for Christ. He wants us to come to church like this, leave having no difference in your life. You are already here. Most of you in this room will be here again next week. Some of you will go to another church as you're trying to find your fit somewhere, whatever that would be. But regardless, most people in this room are going to be in church in the next couple weeks. That's what you do. And that is awesome. But where the enemy is winning is our churches are filled all across this country, but people do nothing with what they hear in the churches that they attend. That's where the enemy wants us. You are right where he wants you. If you sit in this chair and you go to church and when you get home, you check off the I did church list, that's where he wants you. The enemy wants to stop you from serving. The enemy wants to do all of these things so that we don't push forward with the cause of Christ in our lives and in the society in which we live. Inside of our mission statement and the vision statement of Oasis Baptist Church is that we, you and I, would be growing in the Word of God daily, encouraging one another why, so that we can go out into our community and make a difference on a daily basis. That's part of the, that's the vision. That's what we're aiming to do, is to grow daily in the Word of God and love Christ more and more and more so that when we leave here, we can make an impact in the community that's outside of these doors. So this morning we are going to be, we're going to begin in this series of, of the attack of the heart. We're going to look at a number of things that, that, that God's Word says about, uh, about our heart and what are we to do uh, in countering what those things are. There's just a number of, of passages of Scripture that I'm going to read just thinking of how we can guard our hearts. If we go to, uh, again, these will be on the screen. We'll get into the, the Scripture in just a moment. Jeremiah 17, 9, one that we, many of us could probably quote, but the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. God's word over and over and over. I could have, we could be here for the next 30 minutes reading scripture about how God says to guard the heart that he's given to us. But God tells us to guard our heart. This morning we're kicking off this series. And my goal, my, my heart behind this isn't just to sit here, and, and I'll be real honest, when I started this sermon series and started the research on this series, my 
what was going to be was each week a different thing that we face. Lust, greed, all of those things. And the more that I started studying it, the more that I was thinking of it, I'm thinking, man, that's kind of depressing. Now it's all stuff that we face, but in my mind I'm going, I don't know if I want to just study for the next five weeks on all the things. And, and so here's what we're doing. For the next five weeks or four weeks, however you look at it, we're going to be looking at different things that will guard our hearts from heart attack, basically. If you and I were to sit here this morning, you're going to leave here, you're going to go to the doctor, and you're going to say, I have heart, my heart is hurting, I have a chest pain, I have all these things. They're going to start taking you through, and they're going to give you all the x-rays, and they're going to take you in, and they're going to check out all your arteries, and they're going to do all these things, and then you're going to get the diagnosis. You had a minor heart attack, or you didn't have anything, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to change your diet, you've got to take these pills, you've got to do this. Why? Because there's a little bit of cloggage, there's a little blockage in your arteries. I'm no doctor, I'm not into science at all. I think I've shared that a number of times. But I've heard from many, many people, well, if I just change my diet, I can last another five to ten years per what the doctor says. Well, what is all that? That's preventative so that we don't have a heart attack. Hey, do you know Christian, in Christianity, in your personal life as a, as a believer every single day, there's things that we should be adding to our lives as preventative medication so that we don't have a heart attack? Spiritually speaking. I don't know how many of you would stand here today and you would sit in your chair and you would say, well, pastor, my goal is next year by this time that I hate you, I hate this church, and I want nothing to do with God. Most of you would say, no, that's not my goal. Some of you, if that's your problem, um, I don't know what to tell you. But maybe there's another church for you. I don't know. Maybe their pastor is better. But here's the thing. None of us would openly admit and say, well, my goal is I've served in Sunday school for the last five years of my life, and my goal is in the next two that I'm going to do nothing but criticize Sunday school teacher that I've been working alongside because they've hurt my feelings and I don't want anything to do with this ministry anymore. Nobody is going to say that in here. But the reality is this. There will be people that sit in this room that no longer serve in Sunday school, that no longer sing on the praise team, that no longer are a part of choir, that no longer walk and take an offering or no longer greet somebody or no longer work in the, the ministry of whatever it is that you minister to. You'll not be at the nursing home anymore serving. You'll not do some of these things at the rescue mission or wherever it is that we do ministry. And you'll no longer do those things because the enemy attacked your heart and slowly but surely you eroded and you've had a spiritual heart attack and now all that you do is criticize and look negatively at the things that have taken place. Where just months or maybe a year prior to you would have said, I love that place. I love that person. I love that person. That takes place because the enemy slowly picks and he slowly picks and he slowly picks. And over the course of the next few weeks, what my desire is to do is that we would teach that, that God's Word would be real, that we would apply to our lives things that we can counter the medication, so to speak, that we do not have that spiritual heart attack, if you would. So this morning we're going to start with, to me, 
one of the basic foundations. And we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. So if you have your Bible, if you would go with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. This is a passage that you may or may not really be familiar with, but there's a portion of this passage that everybody in this room would say, yeah, I've heard that. And we're going to hit on that this morning. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, starting in verse number 1, it says this. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's son and all the days of thy life and thy, thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, o, o Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of, the, of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the day. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for so many stories throughout your word. But this morning as we look at this passage, God, that we would walk away understanding a little bit better why Moses stood and taught these people to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray this morning that this would be a a message that would be encouraging, a message that would challenge us to to take a closer walk with you. And God, a message that you would be glorified in. In Jesus' name, amen. If we were to go back starting in chapter number 5, and we're not going to read all of chapter number 5 this morning, but if we were to go back to chapter number 5, Moses at at the beginning of chapter 5 had called, it says in verse number 1, and Moses called all Israel... And said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments. Moses had called out and he called everybody together. And he, he's bringing everybody together to begin to, to teach them. And to begin to bring them really closer back in touch with God. It was kind of a reminder to the children of Israel. And as he calls them, that they would learn and then that they would do is what it says. Uh, that that hear, O Israel, the statutes of ju- and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. And so Moses teaching them, and and he's asking them to do some of these things, and and we we begin to go over, and he's going to go back through in chapter number five. He'll be going through all of the Ten Commandments, and you can go back this next week or whatever and read that. But he's going to go back through some of those things, and he's giving them a reminder, and he's giving them a reminder. And then he, as he comes toward the end of chapter number five, and he's coming into verses or to chapter number six, he says this in verse number thirty. And I apologize, I forgot to put it on the screen, but in verse number thirty, it says this: "Go, say to them, get you into your tents again." But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee, and all the commandments, and the statutes, and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, 
that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess." And Moses is encouraging them, and Moses is teaching them, and Moses is telling them, hey, you've got to do this. You've got to put these things on. You've got to begin to act out these things. Don't look to your right hand. Don't look to your left hand. Keep pressing on. Keep, keep honoring God. And we come to chapter number 6, where we'll be this morning for the next few moments. And he basically has them all together. And from chapter number 6 to about, I think it's chapter number 11, he really just focuses on the first couple commandments. But he begins to teach them, and he basically does this. And this may be not what he did, but this is basically what he did. He basically just punched them in the gut and said, hey, let's get back to it. Have you ever kind of had a swift kick in the pants and somebody, you just need that sometimes? Uh, We all do. That's kind of in some ways what Moses is doing. And so my question this morning is this. What is it to have a heart of love? The sermon title would be A Heart of Love. And the question that we'll be kind of asking and answering throughout this sermon is this. What is it to have a heart of love? And the very first point this morning, to have a heart of love would be this. To fear the Lord. And if we go to, again, verses number 1 and 2, it says this right in verse number 2. It states right up front, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. And it continues throughout the next few verses and it speaks of what, in in essence, what is it to fear God? Many people, we look at a number of different things and we'll go back through this in just a second and I'm going to probably get ahead of myself, but, but what is it to fear God? What does that mean in my life when somebody says I'm to fear God? Well, if we were to go throughout Scripture, and again, just like I I spoke of earlier, I could probably go verse after verse after verse for the next 20, 30 minutes and talk of passages of Scripture that speak of fearing God. But Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 14, 26. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Again, over and over we could quote scriptures that speak of the fear of God. What it is to have the fear of God in our lives. And what does it mean to us to have the fear of God in our lives. But that last one this morning as I just read. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. The fear of the Lord will indeed... Give us the confidence, the strength that is needed to live this life. I think sometimes, I know in my personal life, I I overlook some of these things and I I don't really think about it. Even reading that passage this, this morning or this last week as I was studying and I thought about that. Wow, the fear of God gives me a confidence to live and to do the things that I'm called to do. You'd go, well, that doesn't make sense. When we look at the fear of God, if the fear of God is is the, 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 the start of knowledge. If the fear of God is that knowledge that we need in our lives, and I have that, and I'm, I'm fearing God, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe of God, and I'm in reverence, and I am just 
genuinely in honor and I just look to God and I, I fear him, not because I'm afraid and I tremble, but I honor and I respect and I, and I do all of those things. When I have that and I'm growing in knowledge of God's word and I'm looking at all of these things and I think of, I can have a confidence in my life. A pastor that I used to sit under, Dr. Jerry Falwell, would always say, so long as I honor God, when my time is up, my time is up. Nobody can do anything against me outside of the will of God. When my time is up, my time is up. And he lived his life as a preacher, as a man of God, whether you agreed or disagreed with him, he lived his life fully going after serving and seeking that people would come to know Jesus Christ. And he hurt people's feelings and he made people mad. And, and I remember sitting in classes and I remember sitting in services where there was secret agents everywhere throughout the auditorium. And I remember all those things. But every week he was going to stand up and I knew he was going to preach the word of God because he had a confidence of his fear of God and the knowledge of God. And I hope that I have that. I hope that I can live my life with confidence and boldness knowing that it's not God has me in His hand. And so as we go through, I'm going to get too long here. As we go through to have that respect, that honor, in fear we recognize our own failure, our own imperfections, our own lack of, of the true holiness that we do not have. The more we fall in love with Christ and the more we reverence Him and the more we respect that and the more that we fear Him because we're knowing His Word. We spoke, I spoke this, I don't remember how many weeks ago, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, but when Paul mentioned in Romans chapter 7 the, that I wish I would and I don't and I do and I don't and the, the Dr. Seuss of the Bible I call that, but when we look at that, because Paul had such a fear and an awe and a reverence of God and he understood the, the perfection, the holiness of God, the more that he understood that his imperfection, the more he recognized his weakness because he saw the purity and the perfection of who God was. The more that we fear him, the more that all of those things make sense to us. It's okay to say that I'm wrong. It's okay to recognize our faults and our failures. It's okay in all of these things but it happens more and more the more that we fall in love with God. When I'm at a distance from God, here's what I see my imperfection as being. Major, major sin. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, a, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. I've killed somebody. I've stolen something. Well, I've not done any of those things. I'm a pretty good person. The closer that you come to God the more you see the imperfections, not the huge things, everybody sees those. It's the things in our life. When you walk into church and someone's like, oh, you're the greatest person in all the world, ha! And you're thinking to yourself, man, if they only knew. If they only knew how many times this week I failed. It may not have been that you were involved in a gross sin, but in our lives as we fear Him, as we reverence Him, as we do those things, we know the faults and failures. Why? Because we've recognized His purity, the holiness of who God is. Isaiah said it, that what? That He would, he would fall down and He would just worship Him. He would fall, why? Because He was so imperfect. He recognized the, the holiness of who God was. 
He recognized that. None of this is in my notes, and I, I have less notes today than I've had in the last, like, long time, and I'm going to be longer than ever. Um, so outside of that, when we look at our fear, there's a number of kind of sub-points over the next couple verses I'm going to hit, and these are all very quickly, I pro- or quick, but, but we look at this, it says to keep the commandment, or the statutes and the commandments and the judgments. Out of fear, we keep and hold to the truths and the teachings that God has given to us. It is, our, uh, it is out of a genuine fear and love that we don't look at the commandments of God's word as anything but God's truths, not things that take away the fun that I want to have in life. I've shared this so many times, so many teenagers over the course of uh, a decade or so of ministry with, with students will say, well, those rules, they just take away my fun. All this Christianity, it's just rules, 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 rules. I can't do anything fun. I guess it's a miserable life. No, the greatest freedom that we have is to know and be in awe and reverence of the fear and have that in the fear and reverence of God. And it says right in six, chapter, chapter 6 and verse 1, Now these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye would do them in the land whither ye go. So the first thing out of that fear that we would keep those statutes, commandments, and judgments, the next one it says that, that, it would, that they would hear. Moses says, hear therefore. Hear. I don't know how many times in my life I sat in a church service and I heard, but I didn't. It was just that. I sat there and it was... I, I heard it. Because I have ears and they work. But outside of that, there was nothing else that took place within the hearing of that. Hearing, when we fear God, Moses says to the people in verse number 3, Hear, O Israel. It is, again, part of the fear of God, part of this as we look at love, that we would hear from God. Hearing, again, isn't just sitting in this room. Hearing is to hear it and then do something with it. Many, 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 many believers will sit in churches all across this country and they will hear the Word of God preached this morning. Very few will take it from that and do something with it. Very few will do that. Out of fear, though, we hear it and we apply it. The next one is is to do it. It says to hear and observe, or to hear and to do it. This is so vital with all of us. We must just not hear, but we must act. We go through here, it says there again, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may uh, increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers. I I look at this and I, I can't help but get excited in some ways because of this. When I hear, I observe, and I act, God gives us a promise there. We learned that this morning with Scott's teaching. Promises highlight in pink. That's what I learned. No. <laughs> but we talked about some of that. The promises of God, right? There's a promise. When I hear and I act, it says what? In that passage of Scripture in verse number 3. And thou that my, thy son and thy... Uh, I'm sorry, that was 2. The Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land... Uh, I skipped behind it. Ah, look at me. That ye may increase mightily. Hear therefore, O Israel, observe to do it, that ye may be well, and that ye may increase mightily. That's an exciting thought to me. 
Hey, do you want your life to increase? Do you want the, the, the prosperity in your life to, pre, to, to increase? And I'm not talking prosperity as in the prosperity gospel and you're going to get rich. I'm talking your life prospering. Joy, peace, happiness, all of the things that we strive for. Not money, not things, but well, well, hear God's word, observe it, and act on it. Do it. But that doesn't happen outside of the fear of God. And the last one is this, and, and this is really one of the key points of this whole passage of Scripture going forward for the next uh, few. It says in verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Moses is letting them know, if we were to again go back to chapter number 5, and he's, he's reminding them, and he's teaching them, and he takes them to this place, and he says to fear, and he says all these things, but he says, hey, remember this, you better hear me in one thing, understand and recognize there is but one God. If our country, and if people would recognize there is but one God, we would live in a different place. But we live amongst a group of people just as they did that served many, many, many gods. And when we serve many, many, many gods, we don't look at the one true God for what he is. We don't have the fear. We don't have the awe. We don't have the reverence. We don't have those things. And and Moses is teaching and Moses is telling them, hey, listen, 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 listen. There is but one. And to this day, the Jewish people... Many of them practice this and they pray this prayer multiple times a day. It's called the Shema, which means here. And it's a part of their prayers. It's a part of their, uh, I hate saying ritual, but it's a part of their ritual. That they would understand and recognize from 4 till I think it's verse 11 or something like that. But they, they pray that prayer every day. That they would hear from God and recognize that there's one true God. And so out of that, what is it to love, or what is it to have a heart of love? It is to fear the Lord, and in fearing Him that we would keep His statutes and His commandments and His judgments, that we would hear Him, that we would apply it and act upon it, and that we would recognize and place the one true God on top of all things and everything that we do. What is It's to have a heart of love. To have a heart of love, the second point is to love Him completely. God's Word, starting in verse number 5, this is a passage of Scripture that is used in the New Testament a a few different times. But it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. If I am to have a heart of love, then I must love completely. So many times, so many people, all of us, myself included, we love a little bit, but we don't love completely. If I am to love God, that's not just saying, well, God, you can have this portion of my life, but this compartment over here, not so much. Loving completely. I couldn't have went to my wife and when we were dating and got down, at my, got down on my knee and been like, okay, wife, Mindy, would you marry me but allow me to have a couple girlfriends on the side because I don't want to give away everything that I was a part of. I don't know, guys, if any of you did that. You can tell me how that worked, but 
We didn't do that. Guys, you got on your knee or however you proposed to your wife and you said, will you marry me? I love you. I want to spend my, the rest of my life with you. You are the all in all. You are the greatest. You are all those things that we do. You didn't go, hey, but I, I just want to keep this over here. And I can't compare that love, but that's a, that's a picture of what the love of God is you, through Scripture. You know, it doesn't work. It's the same thing with God. If I really want to walk with her in a relationship with her and I want to love her, I've got to give everything to her. I've got to be open to her. I've got to give her, what is it, my heart. That's my emotions. That's the internal being. That's all of those insides of me that just pour out to her. I've got to give her, I've got to, I've got to allow her to have my mind and, and, and to have and, and strength and that I'm going to work hard and I'm going to give everything that I can into it. We are to love with everything. We put a lot of heart, soul, and might into so many things in our lives. Yet we very, very rarely give fully to our relationship with the Lord. If we were to go back throughout this passage of Scripture, not this passage, but throughout Deuteronomy, over and over, the same exact thing comes up. In chapter number 4, in verse number 29, it says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou shalt seek Him, what? With all thy heart, with all thy soul. In verse number, chapter number 10, in verse number 12, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord, to walk in all of His ways, and to love Him, and serve the Lord thy God, with what? All thy heart, all of thy soul. Chapter 11, verse 13, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, what? To serve Him with your heart, with all your soul. It goes on in chapter 13 and verse 3 and verse number 26, or chapter 26, chapter number 30, over and over, over eight, I think it's eight times in the, the book of Deuteronomy that it mentions that same thing, to love Him with all of our heart, all of our being. Maybe a silly illustration, I have four children, and I'm going to promise you this, if one of my children shows up missing this afternoon, I will not stop until I find my child. All of my being is being poured into every effort to make phone calls, to contact some of you, to do all of those things. Why? Because I will go to the nth to find my child who I cannot find. All of my heart, all of my soul, all of everything that I have is going to be poured into making sure that I, re- or that I locate that child. We've done that around this property many times with my son. He's a great hide-and-go-seeker. Because he does not say a word. But you, you follow my point there? Most of us in this room have children. Whether they're grown or they're young. We would pour everything into that. You know what? Some of you in this room, you pour everything. Your heart, your mind, your soul. You pour everything. All of your strength. Everything goes into your job. But when you go home, it's nothing. Your wife gets leftovers. Your children get leftovers. God gets something down at the bottom. 
We pour so much into so many things, and then the leftovers go to to God somewhere. God says this, or Moses is teaching the children of Israel. He says, hey, you've got to fear God. You've got to fear him. You've got to honor him. You've got to respect him. And you've got to do all of those things. And out of that, we will obey. And out of that, we will hear. And out of that, we will act. And all those things. And he says, now do all that with everything that you have. To the one true God is what he's crying out to them. And don't just do it because we say we do it. Do it with everything that you have. I don't. I don't know what it looks like for everybody in this room. I'll be real honest, I probably, I can't even, I don't know that I could say what it is for me. I don't know that I've ever just given everything to my relationship with God. You say, you're the pastor. I'm sorry. I don't know that I ever have. I know that I've cried over my kids. I know that I've cried over job situations. I know that I've cried over people in this auditorium. I know that I've cried. I know that I've, I've worked hard. I know that I've sweat many, 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 many hours in this building. Many of you have as well. But if I have to stop and think and look at my life and say, Aaron, is your relationship with God with everything that you have? And I don't know. Because the foundation of my sin problem is the fact that I'm a selfish individual. I like to sleep. This morning, it was about 4.45. I could not sleep. I don't like that. At 5 o'clock, I'm still up. And at 5.15, I finally rolled over and shut the alarm off that was going to go off in 15 minutes. Is there anything more frustrating in all of our lives than waking up before the alarm clock? I could have had an extra three minutes. I'm selfish. I, I'll be real. In my mind, this is what's going on in my mind at 445 and at 5 and at 515. Aaron, roll over and get down and pray. And I'm going, God, I can pray right here. I don't want to. I'm comfortable. Eventually I rolled over and I prayed. But do I give everything? Do I give everything? My heart. The heart is the the seat of the mind and the will. It houses the emotions. We are to love him with everything we have. The soul is that inner being. Our life, our our vitality. It is our being, our inner being. It's the the thing that separates us from every other created thing that God gave us. Animals have hearts. Animals have circulatory systems. Animals have, animals have many things. But they do not have an eternal soul. And then that, that might is our strength. We are to live out our love of God and, and for God in our strength, in our actions, in our lives, in our work, in everything that we do. To love completely. God would have us to hide his word in our heart. That it would be on our hearts, that it would be written on our hearts. When I think of this question, a heart of love, 
when I look at this, what is it to have a heart of love? It is that you and I would give fully of ourselves, that we wouldn't hold back in anything that we do for Him. We would give everything. Lastly, this morning, is that we would teach those who come behind us. When we read this passage and think of what a heart of love is, and, and again, looking at this as, as how I love God, I would, I would, out of love, I would fear and reverence and have an awe of Him. Out of love, I would, I would do, uh, I would give everything. I would fully love, but out of a love, I would also teach those behind me. And, and we say this stuff all the time, but it is a natural outpour of our, lo- of our love for our Lord when we share something about that to somebody else. If I genuinely love you or somebody or something, I cannot keep it to myself. What if I stood up here and on a daily, every week, and any time that you, you never had a clue who my wife was. I'm not saying that I have to speak of her all the time, but you didn't have a clue. You didn't, you didn't see me show any form of affection to her. You didn't, you didn't hear me speak kindly of her. You didn't see it. You didn't hear it. You, didn't, you would look at me and you would go, well, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about his relationship with her. He always speaks so negative about his kids. He doesn't have anything kind to say. I've never seen him, whatever that would be. Maybe your lives are a little bit different than my life. My life just happens to be open a little bit more because of my position. But if many of you have been to my home, what if you came to my home and you didn't see love in my family? You would go, do you really love Well, there's something about that. That's just human nature. But when I love, when you love, you want to give that to other people. You want to share that with other people. If I love Christ, it shows in everything that I do. Not just on Sunday morning because we're singing a song and I'm supposed to raise my hand because John made some dumb comment because, hey, it says raising of hands, so the whole congregation rose their hands. Not because of any of those things. I didn't mean that in a negative way. You made a dumb comment. But not because any of that stuff. But it's why. Because I desire, I love Christ, and I express that in who I am. I want to. When you go see a movie this next week, if it was bad, you're going to tell people that it was bad. You're going to post it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and every other social whatever is out there. If it was great, you're going to do the same thing. But here we are with Christ. We love Jesus. Nothing shows in all of our life. Do you really love Do you really fear? Do you really hold him up to honor and to respect and to to, of the holiness of who God is? One day, when I say that I say this all the time, one day it says in Ephesians, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It will happen. 
Hey, one day, you know, one of the greatest things that people ask me on a regular basis is uh, something to do with will I, will I see and recognize my family when I get in heaven? I really don't know, but here's what I know is going to happen. I'm going to see the glory of an almighty God, and I will hit the ground, and I will worship an almighty God. Why? Because of his holiness, because of who he is, and because of, of what he has promised and what he's told us. I can do that every day. I get the opportunity every day to worship an almighty God. I get that opportunity at home with my four children to teach them. It says in chapter number 6, and i got to close, in chapter number 6, and thou shalt teach them diligently. And it says what? To talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou wakest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, Moses says, teach them the statutes. Teach them the commandments. Teach them those judgments. Teach them, teach them, teach them. And it says to do so diligently. Do you know when we do that? When we love. When I have a heart of love for the Savior, it's so much different when I teach my children. It's really different this morning because my child is now in junior high and she's sitting here. That's different to me. But it's different. That's what we're called to do. Hey, church, this morning, and I'm done. We are to love. The word and the Facebook media and everything else is love, love, love all week long. Like it or don't like it's real, that's a fact of life in which we live today. But here's what I'm called to do. I'm called to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. And then out of that it says in the New Testament to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the world has hijacked many things from the believer. And the world wants to keep us quiet, and the world wants to do the things that it's going to want to do. It doesn't speak of any other religion or any other faith that doesn't adhere to what's going on. It speaks of Christianity. Here's what it is. There is but one God. There is but one truth. There is but one way. And whether you like it or you don't like it, that's what the fact of the matter is. And we have it. And we are commanded to go and to love. But we are also commanded to do it just as it is. That we would fear God. That I would reverence God. That I would hold Him at such a position that He would be the number one in my life. And that I would give everything. That I would pour everything to Him. And in doing so, I'm going to take that home. And I'm going to teach my children. And I'm going to teach your children. I'm going to do everything that I can to share Jesus Christ with other people. Why? Because I love Him. That's all I've got. One day, one day, and it could be soon, he's coming back. I am going to be ready. My family, Lord willing, I'm going to do everything I can to teach them. And here's what they did. Here's what the children of Israel did. And they still do it to this day. When I was in Israel a year and a half ago, you would see it. 
They would take a box. If you go back a little bit further, you go down to verse number 8. It says to write it on your forehead and put it in a box. And it says to have it wrapped around your hands. They would put a box in their forehead right here. And we look at this. I looked at this and I was like, you guys are really, really weird. But they took this so literally. And thou shalt bind them a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. There's a sect of Judaism, and they'll put a box right between their eyes. And they'll have leather ropes that this wraps around their head, and then they have ropes that come down, and they will wrap it all the way around their hands on both sides, and they will pray, and they will recite, and they will recite, and they will recite, and they will recite God's law over and over and over and over again. We look at that, and we go, that's really weird. I looked at that, and I said, that's really weird, because they looked really goofy with the box, black box right before their forehead. But right on their frontlet, what's it said right there in Deuteronomy? Right on the frontlet, they did those things, and they still do it to this day. They took something serious out of God's Word. What would happen if we took all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they don't have the full completion of it? What if we took it and we said something, hey, I'm going to teach my kids. What if the 150 or whatever is in here this morning said, I'm going to teach my kids. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to give everything that I can. There's a movement in our world and in our culture that is about 3 to 5% of our culture which has made a law in the last week that's changed so many things over the course of the last five years. 5% or so of our community. While Christians can't stand together, we have to fight amongst one another. We have to hate on one another because of the carpet or because of the tie or the no tie or the drums or the no drums. And we fight amongst each other all the while people are going to hell and we don't love All he said, love God. Love Him. We're too prideful. We're too selfish. We're too in what's good for me. That I don't care about you. This morning, what is it to have a heart of love? That I would fear Him. That I would love Him with everything that I can. And that in that I would teach those behind me to do the same. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.